Welcome to the Converge One Tech Exchange, a podcast series that connects the technology community with top of mind insights that you can put into action. Converge One believes that leveraging technology to connect people with purpose is vital to achieve business outcomes. Please join our discussion and together, let's shape the future of the technology landscape in cloud, digital infrastructure, security, collaboration, customer experience, and beyond. Let's get our geek on. Oh yeah, Kathy. Yeehaw, it's time. <laughs> I know, I know. I love a little country occasionally. <laughs> Welcome to the Converge One Tech Exchange, everyone. I am your co-host, Brett Lathrop. And I am Kathy Sobos. And uh, we are so happy to have you in this uh, next uh, episode of our series. Thanks to all the crew who help us out with logistics on this show, the creation, and of course the content, which is inspired by our colleagues in the industry mavericks who dare to question convention and fear no labor. We have a website, ConvergeOne.com. We're on LinkedIn. You can find us on a YouTube channel. We're coming at you from Spotify and from Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Brett Lathrop. And I'm at Kathy Sobos. All right, Kath. Well, um, I I did play a little country because of uh, the way we got our show set up. uh, Because we may be going to to Kansas. I'm not sure. But uh, (laughs) today's topic, lions and tigers and bots. Oh, my. Uh, And we have a special guest. But going to do shouts let me take our uh later alligator music down and um let's get into it yeah so yes indeed we have some shout outs you know we stand on the shoulders of giants and today's shout out is for alan turing and the turing institute you all should really go check it out alan turing was an english mathematician a computer scientist a log a logician, it sounds like magician, a crypto right. analyst, a philosopher, and a theoretical biologist. He was highly influential in the development of theoretical computer science and formalized the concepts of algorithm and computation with the Turing machine. He's widely Man, known. This guy, yeah. hey, Kath, I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, That's did okay. the guy ever sleep? What is I, his deal? I don't think he did. Really, he had his geek on. That's for sure. Ooh, He's for widely sure. known to be the father of theoretical computer science and artificial intelligence, sure to be a, a great find. And he's best known as a computer scientist. And do you know, Brett, in 1936, he developed the idea for the universal Turing machine, which is the basis for the first computer. And he developed a test for artificial intelligence in 1950, which is still used today. I know. This is fascinating. Anybody in our industry and the, the general tech world, if you, you really should look up Mavericks like this, right? Because uh, both uh, him, of course, he's passed away many years ago, but the, the institute uh, that, that keeps on in his name and the, and the fact that his work goes on in legacy is significant. Um, one of his quotes, Kathy, that I really like is... Um, uh, and really, I think for our conversation today, and frankly, the spirit of the podcast in general. Uh, so this is one of his quotes. We can only see a short distance ahead, but we can see plenty there that needs to be done. Boy, that's true. That's so right? true. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right, Kath, 
who we got in our virtual studio today to introduce oh, to my. all the peeps. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's my pleasure to invite Mark Langanke, our Chief Technical Officer here at Converge One, to our studio today. And let me tell you a little bit about Mark. He has been working in the IT industry since 1989, and his work centers, centers on computing as it relates to telephony, networked applications, and distributed systems. He is our CTO, we're very proud of that, and he's leading innovation around the next model of IT and cloud services. He also teaches at the University of Minnesota, talk about somebody who doesn't sleep, and he teaches about operating systems, network programming, languages, and IT operations, and believes that learning doesn't stop once a student graduates. Mark is dedicated to ensuring that students learn topics that will be applicable in the tech industry. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me here today. I am very excited about having a conversation with you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, that, uh, I'm sorry. Is Stephen Hawking with us? I I this... Maybe. <laughs> Mark, that didn't sound exactly like you. Have you wor worked your magic so that you've, you know, injected yourself into a, a synthetic uh, voice or what? <laughs> Come on, guys. That's me. You couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, fantastic! You know, I, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, the 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 biggest thing around uh, Alan Turing and, and uh, being on a podcast where he's he's noted is is a pretty honorable thing. But you know, the Turing test around artificial intelligence to me is is kind of a very interesting way to kind of understand that, which is, you know, kind of why I introduced myself that way. You know, how far can we take bots? How far can we take artificial intelligence? Love it. Love it. You know, Mark, you know, it's it's a jungle out there. And every time I talk to a client, they wonder how to approach this whole bot thing, right? And frankly, I see a lot of them that are a little bit afraid of it. I can see a bunch of what I'll call hesitant lions and scarecrows in IT. Yet Dorothy, the leader of the pack here, is the contact center pushing, pushing for it. She needs it today. Kath, I like where you're going, right? Dorothy mm -hmm. is pushing this because she's got probably that balance problem of the speed of business changes. You know, this ain't <laughs> yeah. Kansas anymore. And she's like, how do I keep pace? She's got that customer demand that's out there now where anybody wants digital channel of choice kind of things. Um, well, you know, she's, she's got, overloaded with volume too, right? Don't forget about overload that. Overloaded with volume. She's got, she's, she's got, she's trying to match that Butler versus stalker information <laughs> on her people who are calling her kind of stuff. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the marketplace seems to be talking a big game, but you know, all bots or virtual assistants really aren't created equally, Mark, right? Yeah, that, that's right, Brett and, and Kathy. The, if you really kind of look at the space, you know, when, when bots first started to come up, everybody kind of jumped on it and they were trying to solve one quick problem. You know, how do I reduce talk time? How do I save money in my contact center? Um, which, you know, haven't we been doing that with IBR for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so if you think about the technology and what we've been able to do with IBR, and, and let's even go into natural language with IBR, um, we've had some capabilities to do a lot of this for a very long time, but I think that, you know, some of the demos, some of the ways that we've seen this, uh, we really got to break down what a bot really can do and be honest with ourselves and our customers on what value it really brings in the interaction between a customer and a contact center agent or a customer and, you know, a company through, you know, a, a digital bot, we'll call it. 
And, you know, we kind of look at it all the way from your, your fact or fact bot, your, your 1.0, you know, basically it's, it's a self-service, you know, reading you frequently asked questions, um, as long as it can discern what your question is. And that's usually where, uh, people enter into this and, and usually where the tech kind of goes, but then you can swing the pendulum all the way over to the IBA. So the, our, um, virtual agent and, the idea around that is is somebody that can actually go and do work for you. So I think Google did this uh, a couple summers ago, if I remember right. Um, they did a demo where uh, I think somebody asked to go get their hair cut at four o'clock and, and they would dial out to the hair salons and blah, blah, blah. Now, now, if you think of that scenario and what has to really go and play there, you first have to know who the person is. Uh, you, you have to know what to say. And so there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But I think when we think about bots, again, in, in our heritage of what we've been doing with IVRs and self-service, um, we, we need to put that mindset back on and think about, okay, how do we really enable uh, something that allows a customer to get information, to really be able to answer the questions that they may have while not making them, you know, upset over the fact that, you know, and we've seen this so many times, right? You know, hey, I'd like a hot dog. Oh, you'd like an apple pie. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, not right, right. It, right. So I, I think there's always been that stigma of, you know, natural language processing and understanding, or maybe more natural language understanding um, of what people are trying to say. But I think that where we've seen a lot of success around that is where you kind of break it down and you say, um, okay, here's a smaller set of data or here's a smaller set of questions that might be asked, then you're going to have a better chance of actually getting to the right answer um, instead of always doing open-ended, you know, as we've seen with some companies where, you know, oh, please tell me your problem today. That, that That's uh, almost an impossibility to really make sure you get that done right the first time. Right. Yeah, indeed. You know, like you mentioned with IVRs, we've been doing them for a really long time, you know, and, and we've had, you know, if I go back to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz here, it's like, the ability to go home, but this is a departure from that IVR mindset. Um, what are some of the benefits, Mark, that you're seeing in that area? You know, I, I think again, if you if you start to take that smaller spot set, so we've done a couple. You know, Converge One's actually using some of our uh, technology, doing bots as well. And you know, we did uh, open enrollment last fall uh, to kind of augment our HR staff, so we're, we're not necessarily burdening them with. A ton of questions and we were wildly successful with it because we sat down with hr we understood exactly what they had what questions normally are asked you know kind of how to really get it in the right um set and then from that the things that were answered if we did get to a point where the bot couldn't answer it you know instead of guessing at things we actually would get them into an email or some other form of communication and, and that's usually the mode where people get started and they train the bot more and more to be better at this and, and answer more questions. Um, but then we also look at some things that are, are we, we did another one with our um, uh, customer success center uh, where it was more of a bot to do a, a function. So it okay. was our ability to have people check in, check out where, you know, think, think of the set of data. Are you checking in or are you checking out? So there's two pretty easy to figure out that one. What time is it? You know, and, and all these things kind of come into play where yeah. there's little ambiguity to it. So that's really where we see people get successful is to find that use case that is easy to enter into. There's not there's a, there's a pretty finite uh, set of things that you could actually go through um, with it and and not always trying to do what we do in in self-service which is kind of always that 
directed path, right? Press one for sales, mm-hmm. two for service, and then you press one, then it's all the sales menus things. And, and you know, that that's not naturally how we talk. So I think that's, that's right. one thing that we found is, is we, we talk very dynamically. I might say, you know, hey, I want to talk to somebody about buying a boat. But I have a question about, you know, the the engine size. Well, maybe that has to go to service then because that's not a sales question. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. where people kind of get lost, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I love what you're saying too, Mark, where I, what I hear you saying is use cases that are concierge oriented, but, but also use cases that are really internally focused, which sometimes people forget about. They think about these kind of cool front end sexy to the world ones as opposed to internal to yeah. just your own organizational, you know, pr- uh, efficiencies, which is cool. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of 2021 and 2022 budgeting is happening right now, right? It's on us. And Gartner, a couple of years ago, predicted that by this year, over 85% of all of our transactions will be handled without a human. You know, Mark, you gave us a couple of ideas there that we're using our own virtual assistants internally here, and we're getting great benefit out of both of them. Uh, And they're not customer facing, as our use cases or indicates today, but we are using them to handle transactions that would have been done by humans. That statistic may be a little out of date, but the Wall Street Journal is also saying that banks are going to spend $7 billion now for AI, and that number is going to double to $14 billion by 2024. And the Wall Street Journal goes on to talk about deep learning and voice-enabled digital assistance and facial recognition. So the idea of just getting information back and forth with these virtual assistants has been broadened to mean these other things as well, right? The motivating driver here, which is a really cool thing, was consumer experience. So consumers are experiencing Mm. this in one place and they want to do it in other places as well. And so companies really have to keep up with that level of demand. And then I found another, uh, I found a couple more statistics I want to just kind of throw out there at you. Forbes reported that in the last six months, we all have produced more digital transformation than we have in the last decade. That's mind boggling to me. Six months, six months. And then I read another report by Process Maker that talks about 8 billion, with a B, digital voice assistants that'll be in use in just a couple of years by 2023. And the fastest growth will be in smart TVs, smart speakers, and wearables. We want to go back to voice here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Kathy. Um, And, you know, voice-enabled devices are now pretty much ubiquitous, right? I mean, over 30 million are in circulation yearly. And we're approaching the reality that Google Assistant is in 95% of all Android market, for example, right? I mean, it's it's um, like we've like we've talked about before. I mean, good God, voice recognition? Can you say it's here? I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's not like the debate of adding voice to your IVR anymore. It's just there in 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 every in every dynamic. Um, I feel like we should level set those because some of those statistics, you know, I heard the word AI, right? AI is like, in our analogy here, it's like the flying monkeys in Wizard of Oz, right? In many ways, <clears throat> because it's talked about, but uh, but it's really broken down into a use case because uh, it's just not really, Mark, it seems to me that well understood. It's a buzzword like cloud has become, you know, we're, um, so we're keeping, uh, so we're, we're in this conversation, we're going to keep just to the portion of the puzzle where AI is related to bots or virtual assistants, right? To, to kind of keep it in in check. Yeah, it, and 
I, I guess, uh, you know, all, all the things you were walking through, Kathy, it's, it's kind of mind blowing to think about how we've evolved to the point we can do all that stuff. But it, it's also interesting to think about the different use cases and really what we're doing with that AI, because, you know, I, I would say probably AI is the most overused term, hype term in the last probably three, four years. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, we've seen studies like there was a study out of the UK that said uh, out of the 1100 um, companies in the UK that were registered as AI companies where the basis of their being is AI, they actually only had, uh, it was crazy, it was like 19% or something actually had anything to do with real AI. So it mm -hmm. is definitely overused and, and over um, mm -hmm. I, I think hyped. Now, I, you know, I always go back to, um, you know, when I was in computer science and thinking about and, and studying AI, and, and I, I always go back to kind of two things that I, I remember doing. Um, one was making a golf cart drive around a, a hockey rink where obviously you didn't want it to hit the outside of the hockey rink. Right. And the, and the second one was a video poker game. Um, and, you know, all these were written in uh, I think C++ or something back in the day. And and I remember thinking about that. And, you know, that's where the I part of AI really has to come in, because the thing that I learned out of that was that it was a learned experience. Right. So when the golf hmm. cart started out. It didn't know anything. I mean, it didn't, I didn't tell it, you know, uh, hey, uh, drive this way and make sure this doesn't happen. It had to learn, right? So what did it do? It hit the wall. And then it learned, don't hit the wall. So I, it, <laughs> what would that mean, right? And we think about this in, in graph theory and some other things in computer science as well. You know, okay, well, if I turn right and I hit a wall, that's not the direction to go. But what are my other <laughs> options? Left, forward, or reverse? So pick one. And so it would learn by doing that. Now, obviously a golf cart doesn't learn that fast because it's a analog device that goes really slow, but it was that idea that over time it would learn by itself. So, you know, you, you go to think of uh, Jarvis in the, in the Marvel series, or you think about how other things have evolved there. That's all been around the fact that it's learned something. And that's where I always kind of question when people talk about AI, is this something that is learned or is this something that is taught or trained. And that's where the bots, you know, getting back to what you were talking about, Brett, um, you know, if, if I have to give the bot hundreds of thousands of phrases and I'm kind of giving it to it, there's no learning that's happening there. It's a human feeding it back more information. So right. I'm, I'm just configuring it more and more. And, and to me, that that's and there are, and there seems to be places for that in certain FAQ type things, but Absolutely. but you, but you you don't merge them in your 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 planning process with AI. Exactly, exactly. Right, and and then you take the video poker game, and that was that was you know another eye opener. And what that got me to realize was again, you know, if Brett, if you played against it, it would learn how you played, and it would know how to beat you. So that, that was kind of the fundamental Which would thing. be easy. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm not very good. Personally. Yeah. We'll, we'll play it next week. So. Um, but but if, if you think about, you know, what that was, it was a game, right? And, and what does a game have to it? It has a start, it has an end, and it has the rules, right? Mm -hmm. That's where AI fits really, really well. And, and mm. let's take a different example of this. So have you ever used uh, Waze or Google Maps or anything? Sure. Drive, yeah. Right. That that's a game that that's, you know, kind of AI thinking about, mm -hmm. OK, what is the best path to get to the other destination? Right. So if it knows all the ways you could go, yes, I could take a right or left. But what it does is it kind of plots all that out for us and it figures out what is the best path to get there the fastest. 
And then we can throw in wrenches like, uh, you know, accidents or slowage or whatever and rerouting and all that fun stuff. But, you know, to me, if you put AI in the bounds of a game, not, not, it doesn't have to be a game, but something that has a start and a stop and rules, then you're going to be very successful because it can learn what to do and what not to do. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way to think about it, Kathy. Um, yeah. So, but Mark, why, like, why is IT so hesitant, right? Lions and tigers and bots, oh my, as I said, it's so, you know, scary, right? It's, it's hard for them. I envision them like, you know, laying down in the poppy field, like the, the characters of the Wizard of Oz did, hoping that it's just going to blow over, right? Take a little nap. And I, I don't know, I, I just feel like they're hesitant, right? Yeah, I, I think the hesitance really comes from the fact that we slammed the market so fast with so many options and, mm. you know, didn't really kind of sit back and think about the use cases and what does this mean for you? And, and I would say in general, I think we've made a pivot in forms of IT, you know, in this whole digital transformation and all the things we've been doing. But, you know, if you think about the contact center space or the collaboration space or anything that we've been kind of working on where these would apply, there's obviously, uh, you know, always, we're always looking for the next thing, right? You know, you know, Zoom popped on the market because of COVID and we've, you know, there's always going to be something that, that's, you know, where everybody's kind of jumping to. And I think when bots emerged, I think the, you know, what, what everybody was trying to position bots as is the end all be all savior of, you know, self-service and we don't need people anymore and they can solve all the problems. So, right. And we saw a lot of, you know, failed starts, which, which by the way, you see with every technology, right? Everything that comes to market first usually doesn't, isn't super successful. So, you know, right. obviously there was fits and starts, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the fear in a lot of this is who to choose. And I stopped looking at it years ago when I found out there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different bot manufacturers out there and different software packages. Um, so again, it, it, it kind of comes down to, you know, uh, you know, it, it was Watson back in the day and now, you know, there's, you know, anything to choose from. So I, I don't know if, if it's really necessarily the package you should be worried about or the demo that you saw from a certain vendor. I think it's more about how do we understand what we want a bot to do for us. And then you can find the technology pretty quickly after that. Gotcha. So it, it's a decision constipation issue that can can be broken through based on where you focus, right? Which is which is that last bit. That's yeah. great. And I have, I saw I saw a lot of that too, right? That that clients were waiting to see which manufacturer would be the one that would emerge from all right. of this, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, oh, great wizard, Mark. How can we help them? Where are you? There's a man behind the here? curtain. <laughs> yeah, we start pulling the levers and hitting the buttons here. That's uh, right. Yeah, I, I, I think the honest truth is, you know, we, we've actually invested in our own uh, group to, to do a lot of this work because it is, um, you know, that uh, functionally needed or, or, you know, we, we need to really sit down with our customers and understand what they want to do with it. You're not going to buy a bot off the shelf. Um, I, I often talk about this in, in Omnichannel, but I'll use it in the bot world. A bot is a verb, not a noun. So we can't just simply say, oh, I bought one and now I have one. You have to understand how does it meet for your business. And that, that's the pivot or the change I was, I was describing before is that I see that, you know, we've gone from, you know, should everybody go to this one vendor and buy this one product because it's the thing that's going to solve everything to now we're having to find very unique solutions for every given customer because why? 
everybody's business is different and we're having to get much deeper into how they run their business. Right. So, you know, you could take Coke and Pepsi as an example. They're obviously, you know, both soft drinks. They both have things that somewhat taste somewhat similar, but I'm sure their business models are very different. Why they're to market, who they're trying to attract and all that. So we have to start helping in that scenario of, you know, not just consulting or trying to choose the right one, but being there the whole way through to help build that first bot, iterate through it, you know, follow an agile method to understand what's, what's working, what's not, and really grow with that and know that, you know, we can't just leave it at their doorstep and, and hand them the keys and say, here you go, here's your <laughs> bot, you know, see, see you next time. So that, that's where we find success is working through that process. And we've actually defined a new service model around being, you know, agile versus waterfall. So we don't know what the bot's going to do in the end. We don't know how it's going to affect your, you know, our customer's customer. So how do we be, you know, more involved and, and there to help them along the way um, with the, the knowledge that we have about the technology, they would bring their business and their people, and then we adjust as we go. So we have a lot of customers we do this on a weekly basis with, and, and we just sit down, how's it going? You know, this one works pretty good. That one isn't working. And then we, you know, come up with, you know, version 74 and then version 75 and, and, you know, kind of iterate it through versus trying to just say, okay, you've got your G3 PBX and then here's all the feature functions and we'll have a BRI card for you in three months. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, those days right. are gone, right? Right. Yeah, very, very much of a pivot, as you're mentioning, Mark, right, from the ability to sit down and fully define a, a situation or a solution and then versus doing something in an agile development model, quick and rapid succession. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think what I'm hearing, Kathy, is just some great nuggets that the that the audience out there can kind of start with right there's some practical things ways to frame your thinking around this and then that'll help you get through the motion uh and get you past some of that that stagnation for sure at least at least it seems that way to me um gosh the, the music dang it all the time Doc, it that means we're getting out of time dr langanke coming through professor langanke probably specifically but uh, Mark, thanks for joining us. Uh, so awesome to have you. Love that. Um, you know, don't let that wicked witch chase you around Oz, everybody. Drop a house on her with smart planning and a bias towards that you know, incremental ad. Uh, be agile, right? I think is what we're, we heard and learned from this. Um, and with that, Kathy, I'm cutting myself off with the Wizard of Oz references. Okay, Brent. So it's <laughs> probably better that I do it that way. Um, um, okay, so, hey, that's the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for all those likes. Make sure you tell your friends. The uh, Converge One Tech Exchange podcast comes out regularly. Questions, comments, topic ideas. Please comment and contact us and we'll engage. Heck, you might even get on the show. Who knows? Who knows? That was fun. It was. Uh, it was. May the work you all do be animated with purpose. And thanks for stopping by. Thanks for joining the Converge One Tech Exchange. If you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send your request to techexchange at convergeone.com. And please follow Converge One on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook for updates about new episodes.